Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic edition of La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 11 recap. It's nearly Halloween and this was a pretty spooky match day because of plenty of late drama happened. Brilliant Bellingham, just in time, Jude, Stones rolled by the Beatles. Pick any headline you want. Six of the nine games this weekend had decisive goals after the 90th minute, including El Clasico. And then Alaves just now threatened to make that seven out of nine, but they didn't quite do it. Of course, the Clasico was the headline, so that's going to take up Pretty much all of part one, I'm delighted to be joined from Barcelona by Roman Darke, who was at the ground at Munjuic on Saturday afternoon. Roman, first of all, commiserations, the result didn't go your way, but uh, what was it like to experience your first Clasico? Well, it was, it was great. I mean, I was definitely looking forward to, to enjoying a Clasico live, you know, in person. Um, at home watching from TV you're more comfortable but there you get involved you know with the atmosphere with the singing and the chanting compared to another standard La Liga game uh, you can tell it's it's much bigger you know there, there's uh, a lot more going on and the fans are really way more involved in singing from the very before the very first minute of course you know uh, all the way through chanting all sorts of Stuff against Madrid and in favor of Barcelona, of course. And again, as you mentioned before, the Rolling Stones also being involved was something quite cool. Two of them were were actually there in the in the stadium watching the game. But unfortunately, as you said, it didn't go our, our way. Even though I felt like it maybe should have. Mm. It was a, an early goal from Ilkay Gundogan, one of the summer signings, and uh, it was a mistake at the back from Real Madrid. The ball falling loose and, and Gundogan pouncing to take full advantage. But then, uh, well, as Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood looked on, Barca discovered you don't always get what you want because <laughs> Madrid did a Madrid thing and made the comeback. And of course, it was that man that Madrid called, hey Jude, make something happen. And boy, oh boy, did he deliver again. His debut, of course, too, in a Clasico, remarkable, 20 years old, to, to bag a brace away from home to win his first Clasico in a new league, new country. Didn't even play that well, but... He's still the story. Uh, Roman, talk us through how you felt the first half was going. As you say, pretty comfortable for Barca in that first half. Yeah, it was a pretty comfortable first half. I thought we had control. We had 
the better chances. We look pretty good. We were like recovering the ball really quickly. I think Gabi, Fermin were doing a fantastic job in that midfield, honestly. Um, also, Araujo was um, keeping Benitez once again under control because for me, honestly, uh, none of the strikers really appeared in that for ha first half. You know, Benicius, uh, Bellingham, Rodrigo, they weren't really finding their groove there. They were really struggling. I think that's credit to Barcelona, who did a fantastic defensive job, you know. And then um, you could kind of feel like after Gundogan's goal that you needed that second one because with Madrid, you always can count that they're going to score at least one goal, you know. So I was like thinking, like, please come on, guys, get one of these past, you know, make make it happen, make it two nil, because if not, we might regret it. And well, unfortunately, uh, the second half, Madrid uh, looked a bit better. They had a bit more control of the ball, even though it took them a bit to to get into rhythm. But uh, then they were having the ball quite a lot, which is like not maybe so common in Real Madrid, who like mostly to counter attack and find Benitez in the space, find uh, Rodrigo, etc. But they're having the ball. Barca were sitting the back quite comfortably, to be honest. But it is Real Madrid, you know. And in the end, they always pounce and they always get those goals. And out of nowhere, Bellingham, as you said, wasn't having a great game. But he got this beautiful shot past Ter Stegen, who I think maybe could have done a bit more. Maybe stretched it a wee bit more. Because it feels like he's trying to go with one hand and then uh, make it, uh, we say, a palomita here in, in Spain. Which is like, make it nice, you know, make it very flashy. And unfortunately, that didn't work out too well. And then in the end, again, he's at the right place at the right time. And what seemed like a terrible control by, I think it was Joselu, ends up right in his boots and the ball goes right in between Ter Stegen's legs. So, I mean, it couldn't have been any any tougher, you know, for, for us to digest at the end. And unfortunately, three points uh, go to, to Madrid. But, I mean, they didn't do too much. They had some decent shots from outside the box, I guess. Uh, but aside from that... It's hard to point out the Real Madrid player who was actually very good, you know, aside of Bellingham because because of the fact that he scored those two goals. But uh, honestly, it's it's a big disappointment because it really felt like this Clásico should have been uh, Barcelona's. Mm, it certainly felt that way for, for much of the game. Where do you think the game swung then? Because pre-game, a lot of Madrid fans were quite annoyed that uh, Camavinga wasn't starting. Um, and it actually took an injury to, to Furlan Mondi in the second half before Camavinga was brought on. Do you think his introduction was significant in the momentum shift? I think it helped because, uh, honestly, the minutes I saw from Camavinga were way better than the ones I saw from Mendy. And you could tell that he was also uh, combining better going forward in the, in towards uh, getting past the halfway line, etc. So, I mean, he was... Uh, looking quite sharp, even though he struggled a bit at the beginning with Cancelo to defend him, but then he, he was he was okay overall. So I think Camavinga was definitely a good decision to bring him in. And then the same goes with, with Modric and, and Joselu in the end, you know, because they provided something a bit different and it really worked out for them. But for me, it wasn't as much uh, Madrid's changes, but rather Barcelona's changes, which okay. uh, changed the game. Because honestly, bringing Lewandowski, I can understand he's top striker, you want to have him there. But he's just come out from an injury. He hasn't really played any minutes, not even the Champions League game. He didn't have any minutes to to get a bit of that rhythm. And uh, when he came on, you could feel like he wasn't really providing much, you know. And that combined with uh, Oriol Romeo's introduction, which I understand we don't have any more midfields, basically, aside from the youngsters, which uh, I can see why Xavi wouldn't want to take any risks bringing them on in that stage of the game. 
didn't work out. And it felt like Barca were, were just closing and closing and sitting back and more back. And Madrid were, you know, uh, pushing us behind. And that that always felt wrong, you know. And I feel also like uh, the fact that Ferran Torres, when you have him up front, even though he's not maybe having... It wasn't having the best second half. He still opens up a lot of spaces. He was doing really well in the first half in bringing the ball down, playing with a teammate, uh, offering himself and then moving away. And then, of course, opening up those spaces in the midfield will allow us to, to play more football in, in that space and, and have more control. And similarly with Oriol Romeo, he isn't the best with the ball at his feet. Of course, he, he isn't bad. I'm not saying that. But when there's a, a bit of pressure there, he tends to struggle a bit and always looks for that back pass, which sometimes... Uh, doesn't allow us to to spread out and go forward. So I mean, these subs for me from Xavi, I understand there weren't many other options, and he had to do what he considered right. But uh, I think they kind of uh, took in a way the game uh, from us. Mm. Yeah, I saw you having a discussion with Rory on on Twitter about this, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, R- Rory was saying after the the Champions League game in midweek, um, Romeo, or even last weekend, sorry. Uh, Romeo's great when you have possession of the ball, but without the ball, he's he's a bit more of a liability when it comes to that transition, and and perhaps that's that's how it turned out. Do you think then those subs were because Xavi didn't really have an alternative, or do you think that was more a poor selection on his part? I mean, as I said, I don't think he had much more to to pick through. Honestly, for example, Lewandowski, I can understand because his presence and the player he is, and and he always going to trust him as a manager you know and you can think maybe he'll give us that second goal so in a way I can understand the sub but in the end it didn't work out as he thought he would and I I honestly felt like maybe it was better to bring on Lamine sooner or Rafinha sooner you know and try and maybe provide a bit more down the wing because Cancelo you could feel like he was losing a bit of uh, physically at least he was you know losing a bit of strength and he was struggling a bit more to to run forward and run backwards again. And so maybe the freshness that Rafinha could have provided sooner or Lamine, or Lamine in that same uh, wing would have been good. But, I mean, as I said, in the midfield, there wasn't really much more aside from the youngsters. So Chavi uh, didn't have an easy pick. And I can understand why he might want to bring Oriol Romeo, you know, in a way. But as I said, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the right decision, unfortunately. Mm. Fair enough. I'm sure plenty of Goulets uh, agree with you on that point. So it means that Classico number 255 ended with a Real Madrid victory. Uh, they extend their lead in the overall um, head-to-head. But um, yes, no draws in the last 12 Classicos. Eight Real Madrid wins, four Barcelona wins in all competitions. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan made some post-game comments as well, didn't he, Roman? He, he was very forthright in what he said. I think it was to, to American television, I believe. Uh, he was saying that, um, again, he thought the team played fairly well, deserved more, but... He also said, interestingly, that he wanted to see more anger in the changing room after the game. He sort of felt that, you know, losing a goal like that in the last minute, it should hurt more. Do you, do you agree with his comments? And, and how do you think that they were received? I mean, in a way, I'm a bit surprised because I, there was an image actually after the game where, where Gavi was actually crying, you know, or almost in tears because he, he the team had lost the game. And then I remember... When the game finished, Araujo got into his knees also and was like banging the ground, like super disappointed. So, I mean, it is a bit shocking that he perceived that. I don't know from which players, I don't know uh, how it actually went on, you know, in the dressing room. It is true that it's still early on in the league and I can understand that uh, in the end they can kind of be happy that they were the better team. So, I mean, it's always a positive, you know, to know that you're superior or at least in in my opinion, I, I think in most 
Barca fans, etc., would agree in that sense that Barca were the superior side. So maybe the, the players also felt that, and they felt like it was just an unlucky defeat, you know. And maybe that can happen. Uh, we also how how the second goal went, you know, and. Inigo Martinez couldn't do much, Ter Stegen couldn't do much, it just ended up in, in the right place for Bellingham to just slot it in. Um, and I'm I'm quite curious actually to know myself if the players themselves will have actually accepted those that statement uh, well or if on the other hand they might be a bit disappointed. I mean it's true that there are a lot of youngsters in this uh, dressing room at the moment so I mean uh, I'm sure they respect Gundogan very much, they know where he's coming from, winning the Champions League, being one of the best players in the world I'd say last season and um, they know that he's a guy they have to look up uh, to and they have to trust and, and if he says that then there must there must mean that something was missing there so I mean in the end I wouldn't feel if I don't feel offended as a Barca fan I know that a few maybe weren't too convinced with his words but I think most agree that uh, he knows what he's talking about and that he's a player that we have to always listen to and, and let him, you know, help the team grow, basically. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's how it's perceived over here in England as well, from from the Barca fans that are kind of England-based or that follow the Premier League as well, that they see Gundogan coming from this, you know, superb machine, City, treble winners, you know, Pep's team. Yeah. Gundogan was integral, especially in the back end of last season, scoring crucial goals in the Premier League, Champions League, uh, and, and has, you know, literally won it all there. To come to Barca and, and trying to replicate those standards, you can kind of see where he's coming from in that sense. So in a way, it's no bad thing, I think, for you know really make sure defeats like this do hurt because, in some senses, it, it's a damaging one because it leaves them off the pace at the top of the table. Um, and uh, sure. and yeah, it's it's a home defeat to Real Madrid, which always stings. A um, couple more things to talk about just before we we hit the break. Uh, firstly, on Bellingham, because we have to mention him a little bit more, really. I know, obviously, you're a Barca fan, but what was it like to watch him live? Because, um, obviously, on TV, you don't see the whole movement. Uh, and, obviously, we know he didn't have his greatest game up until the goal, but what was your impression of him in the flesh? Well, honestly, I felt threatened every time he was near the box and, and, and got the ball, because we all know what he's been doing in the start of the season, scoring... Uh, practically every game I don't know where you know and being such a threat so um, I probably even felt more worried about him having the ball than Benitez himself and we know that Benitez also uh, can be a lot of danger down that wing even though it didn't take it didn't happen in the end but yeah he was he was definitely like, transmit re, transmits the respect I'd say and in the end that threat turned into goals in the second half and unfortunately it felt like ah yeah I knew this was gonna happen you know kind of thing because, I mean, he's been scoring these goals and, and he's been um, leading Real Madrid basically this season. We all we always said that without a number nine, uh, maybe Benitez was the one that had to step up. But it's not been him. It's been Bellingham. And even if the team isn't playing too well or aren't doing uh, things the best way, he's the one who's going to step up and, and get the goals. And not just a goal to draw, but mostly to win a game. You know, and uh, we've seen lots of games this season from Real Madrid where I think, honestly, they weren't incredible, didn't deserve maybe the win at, at times, and they just get the three points anyway. So that is part of the Madrid DNA, we could say, and Bellingham has really um, got that got DNA, that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how it seems to pretty much everyone, I think. And and he said after the game, he said he loves these comebacks. It's not great on the heart, but he said he, he's enjoying it, and boy, is he scoring some crucial goals for the club and 
That's 13 in all competitions in 13 matches, which matches Cristiano Ronaldo's impact when he first arrived. Then, of course, Ronaldo was already a, a European Cup winner from Manchester United Premier League winner by that point. And Jude Bellingham, as we say, is, is just 20. Uh, remarkable stuff. Uh, and with him as, as Real Madrid's leading man, I'm sure Carlo Ancelotti is happy to, to be the Brian Epstein and, and let it be. Um, one more question, Roman, on, on the Classico. And it's kind of a, an off-the-pitch thing. It was uh, the TIFO, the, the Rolling Stones kind of uh, banners that were all across the, the stands at Montjuic, which, of course, you would have seen or, or been a part of. Uh, we had uh, Alexandra Johnson, our former colleague from La Liga Lowdown, from a few years back, uh, making a point that, you know, this isn't really what TIFO should be about. It should be about fans expressing their their feelings and uh, desires and loves and whether it's players or homages to, to you know, legends of the past. It, it just doesn't quite sit right that there's a TIFO of a, of a Spotify promoted band, does it? Well, uh, for me, there are two reasons for that. Uh, one hand is that uh, we all know that Barca is uh, going through a very tough uh, economical crisis and we can't uh, ever forget that because even though Barca are signing players and, and doing reasonably well, it's still there. So, I mean, I guess they have to promote the brands they're working with as much as possible. And as I know it may not seem the nicest thing from, from afar, but uh, it's what it is, you know, and we can't really complain. If they have to do that, then we got to do that. If that's what it takes, you know, to, to help us get out of this situation. And then the other thing is that TIFOs at the Camp Nou or in the US Combined, etc., are always organized by the club themselves. You know, it's not usually mm. the fans that bring their TIFO and they put it down. The only thing they do in terms of that is usually is like bringing the independent flag in the Grada de Animacio where the, all the people are like, um, cheering through the whole game. They do bring out their flags and they had their own personalized Rolling Stone flag with a tongue and blue and red in each side, which was really cool and a, and a yellow background. I uh, sorry, background, sorry. And yeah, but aside from that, it's it's mostly it's mostly the club. So they kind of leave the papers there. They decide what's going to come, what's going to appear, and basically they're in control. So if it were the fans organizing this, we would probably see much more original things. But unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case. Yeah, indeed. But uh, yeah, one to think on for, for the future, perhaps. And yeah, last but not least, um, unfortunately, again, Vinicius was subject to a couple of uh, racist chants and uh, gestures. Uh, there was one clearly on video of uh, of a guy shouting at him and, and making the kind of the monkey gesture. Horrendous to see. And uh, thankfully, Barca quickly responded with... Um, but you, uh, are you sure it was like the the guy making them? Is it, I think it was a video of what seemed like a banana flying over the guy who was obviously insulting him. But apparently it wasn't a banana. It was because the TIFO had these yellow um, cardboard things which we had to show up. And they some tried to misinterpret this and say it was a banana. But there's definitely been some racism because, of course, they are investigating with the police and Barca has said yeah. that they're going to collaborate and everything. Although, yeah. to be honest, I was, where I was at least sitting down, I was actually paying quite a lot of attention to see if there were any sort of racist chants. And I have to say, I didn't hear anything around my area. There were obviously all sorts of insults, uh, ugly ones, but nothing to do with racism, we could say. I'm not saying the ugly ones were correct either, you know, but just uh, I was paying attention in that sense. And, and I thought at least I didn't get to um, be in the presence of these horrible uh, things. But unfortunately, in the end, so there's always somebody who has to be a really stupid idiot and mess things up. And hopefully they will kick him out from forever from the stadium, basically. 
Yeah, absolutely. or them, or whoever yeah. it was. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't seem to be too widespread, but certainly those ones that were captured, uh, as as you say, Barca quick to say they will cooperate with the authorities to identify and and ban those individuals as they should. Thank you very much for that in part one. Uh, when we come back, we'll review the other eight games from the weekend because there was so much drama this weekend in our Liga. Stay with us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our Match Day 11 recap, our free podcast for all you listeners and subscribers, available for everyone. We had plenty of late drama this weekend, Roman. I'm just going to go through the games now because so much happened <laughs> and most of it very late in the game. Friday night, it all kicked off at Montelivi, high-flying Girona, taking on under-pressure Celta. And this was a much tighter game than people were expecting. It took a 91st minute from Yangel Herrera, uh, 91st minute winner from Yangel Herrera to pile on the misery for Celta. Everything seems to be going against them. They've received eight goals after the 75th minute, costing them points, uh, including those three against Barca that you will recall. Uh, Paco Pollitt on the Twitter, he was saying that he felt Celta were robbed with a disallowed goal prior to Girona's winner. Maybe we'll discuss that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, also at the top, we've just seen Atleti beat Alaves two goals to one. Roro Riquelme scoring a golazo in the first half. And then Morata also on the score sheet. It equals the club record of 14 consecutive home league wins. The previous run was also under Simeone. It came at the Calderon uh, between 2012 and 2013. Atleti now just three points off the top with a game in hand. Elsewhere this weekend, Betis also had a late winner. Isco in the 94th, uh, beating Osasuna, who thought... They'd finally got the draw with a late goal themselves, but Isco came back to, to bite them. Eight unbeaten for Betis in all comps. Nice little run there on. Osasuna just struggling for consistency and identity. Of course, Ezabde was the difference maker for them last year, but this time he is in the green and white of Betis. 
We then had a couple of fantastic 2-2 draws. Firstly at Vallecas, Rayo 2, Ralph Sociedad 2. Marial came from behind, but they were stunned in the 91st minute from Bebe with his second consecutive 91st minute goal in as many weeks to save points for Rayo. Um, Athletic also drew 2-2 with Valencia. 96th minute for them, Alex Berenguer with a header after Valencia had come from behind to lead that one 2-1. Las Palmas piled the pressure on Almeria, who was still winless in the league. Gaisca Garitano also winless in his first couple of matches. A 94th minute winner from Sori Caba. And Cadiz Sevilla finished 2-2. Again, uh, Cadiz tuned it up in that game, but Sevilla fought back but couldn't get the winner. And last but not least, Mallorca 0, Hetafe 0. Border last ball peak. Zero shots on target from Hetafe, but a clean sheet. Well, Roman, plenty to pick through there. What takes your fancy to kick off? Well, uh, first of all, I think um, you mentioned that uh, Paco Polit said that Celta got robbed <laughs> in that first game of the, the match day. I kind of feel like they did get a bit robbed, honestly. There is a contact, obviously, a bit with the goalkeeper. I can understand it can come down to interpretation. But it does feel like the goal should have stood, honestly. I don't think there is that much. I think the goalkeeper also had lost... You know, control the ball himself. He was gonna, he was moving forward. You know, away from the goal. So I, I don't think he would have had any time to react anyway. So I feel kind of bad for Celta, and we've been saying this on and on and on mm. that they've been having very bad luck, and it's just another one adding up. And I just don't know how, how long they're gonna trust Rafa. You know, despite the all the unlucky situations that may be going on, because in the end. We keep saying this, they have to win, they need three points, and we know that Celta have been suffering a lot in in past years, you know, and they know what it's like to, to fight to avoid relegation, and I'm sure they they think with that team they have, they shouldn't be down there, you know. And on the other hand, Girona are just out of this world. I mean, another win at the top of the league with Real Madrid at this stage of the season is, is incredible, and I mean, uh, they had quite a lot of chances in that game. In the end, it took Jan uh, Gelera right to the very end to get their three points but uh incredible effort by Girona I'm just really enjoying and I'm actually looking forward to to playing against them because they're they're just fantastic to see yeah and uh I think I think I'm right in getting this that correct I think of all the teams that have won nine of the first 11 games in a league season all of those have gone on to finish inside the top four so Girona are dreaming and and why not because they're playing fantastic stuff and and it wasn't always pretty. Like obviously, the last game they came from two 0 down and then one five two just blew Almeria away. This time they had to be patient and grind it out against a pretty dogged Celta. But yeah, they got the job done in in a different way, which is another good sign for them. Um, yeah, Celta Rafa just seems kind of broken. To be fair, I feel really sorry for him. Yeah. He's every game he's coming out and he's either <laughs> talking about officials or talking about bad luck. And again, it, it sounds like a broken record, but he's kind of right, isn't he? He's kind of right, but at the same time, he does cry a bit too much, in my honest opinion. Mm. I mean, I can understand that you can complain and say that you're unlucky, but every game he seems to be coming up with an excuse and, and really insists on that excuse instead of saying, we just have to work better and, and, and results will come, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I can understand in a way it's tough and Rafa maybe hasn't been enjoying his best spells of of managing teams in recent years as he was before when he was, you know, one of the best there were in the business. But still, I think that Rafa should stay focused and keep working because I'm sure results can come if if he looks into that more often. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know what he's saying behind closed doors, but True. in the public, that negativity would surely filter through to the players and certainly is to the fans because they're looking pretty desperate at the minute. Uh, how about Aleti then? Uh, another win, another pretty solid performance. Alaves grabbed the late goal, but it was never going to threaten them, really. 14 wins in a row at home across the last couple of seasons. Six in a row right now in, in, in La Liga. Looking pretty good, Roman, and three points off the top, game in hand. Looking Tile pretty contenders. Yeah, yeah, looking pretty good. I mean, quietly, they're just there. They they look like they're at the bottom. Well, at the bottom, not the bottom, but look like they were before Barca lost, you know, fourth position a bit far away. But no, you know, because they have that game in hand too. Uh, they're winning game after game. The 2-1 is a bit tricky, I think, because honestly, Atletico Madrid were the superior side and they kind of relaxed, should have been I guess. 3-0, shouldn't it? Exactly, it should have been 3-0. They relaxed a bit and then uh, Alaves got that late goal. Even though Alaves did push, they did try, you know, and and had their chances and in the end they got that one goal. But Atletico uh, could have closed this sooner, in my opinion. And, you know, uh, Morata at the moment still being an important player. And also loving how the, the younger players, you know, are, are doing so well. Samuelino before the injury, then Pablo Barrios recovered and still... A uh, great player, and of course Riquelme getting that wonderful goal. I mean, these these three players, I think, can can be part of that future for Atletico Madrid, and actually part of the present. You know, so uh, the team is good. Griezmann is still in that spectacular form we saw last season. I mean, top player at that level. And uh, what else can I say? You know, they're getting the job done, and if Simeone can keep that uh, partido a partido philosophy, match to match, uh, working well and getting those wins they could perfectly be fighting for the title at the end of the season because Barca and Madrid aren't doing incredibly well. And you, and you feel like Girona at some point will have to slow down, you know? So uh, Atletico will definitely have a shot at it, in my opinion. Mm. How about um, Rayo Vallecano? I mean, we, we mentioned Bebe, the, the penalty last week to win the game against Las Palmas and the 91st minute equaliser against Real Sociedad here. They're seven unbeaten. Um they seem pretty comfortable. These kind of on the weekend that Andoni Iraola finally won his first game for Bournemouth. Those post Iraola fears at Rio are, are definitely not not really there, are they? They're, they're looking pretty good. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually wanting to talk about Rio, and and it's really surprising how they're doing so well. You said Iraola leaving. I was one of the doubters, especially when they mm. brought in Francisco, who for me hasn't been great in in, in Primera División in La Liga. And at the moment, you know, it's incredible to see them doing so well. They also lost, let's not forget, important players in that defense, you know, with Fran Garcia, with Catena, uh, Comesaña being an important midfielder. And despite all those movements, they've done a really good job at maintaining the, at least their offensive block, you know, with Alvaro, uh, with Isi um, Palazón. And, I mean, um, they're just doing fantastically well they're getting results they were about to drop points against a very tough team like Rayo Vallecano but then Bebe somehow I've never considered him a good player but he's got these clutch moments where he scores these incredible goals out of nowhere and they kind of tend to be important so uh, I'm really impressed at what they're doing and hopefully they can keep this up and honestly they're they're similar to the level we saw them last season maybe not so incredible but they're pretty close to be honest mm. Quick note on Valencia as well. Fran Perez got the equaliser in that game to make it 1-1. He's the son of Rufete and he scored his first La Liga goal. So nice father-son combination there. Valencia, of course, had it before with Patrick and Justin Clivert. So making a bit of a habit of that. But Athletic showed great heart to fight back in the 96th minute. I mean, a Berenguer header, though. You've got to be disappointed if you're Valencia to concede a Berenguer header. 
<laughs> yeah, it must have been tough, and, and I think it, partly it has to do with uh, Mamar Dashbili uh, not coming out with that conviction. Maybe he needed, and it's surprising because he had a fantastic game all the way through. He yeah. kept uh, Valencia in front, you know, thanks to his saves. But then, right at the very last minute, he made that mistake, in my opinion. And Athletic, who were pushing, you know, who were of course at home under their uh, with their fans behind them looking for it and they did get it in the end but um, Valencia will be a bit disappointed although to be honest Valencia have been doing uh, really well I keep saying this another of those teams that has surprised me uh, because we all saw how they were last season how it was looking so grim and so bad but then Ruben has really got these youngsters to, to play really well to believe in themselves and I think what they're doing is, is great not just for Valencia also but for Spain you know because mm. those are some important players I think we will be looking into uh, in the near future to, to play in the national team because some of those talents are, are looking great indeed another team who are doing really well is Las Palmas um, they've won four out of their last six including their last two away games only Atleti and Real Madrid have conceded fewer goals than Las Palmas uh, they don't score many, but at the moment they don't really need to because they're keeping all these clean sheets. And as for Almeria, though, on the flip side, still winless, bottom of the table, 31 goals now conceded in 11 games. They look they look a little bit more solid now under guys like Garitano, but well, I say that they shipped five against Girona, but <laughs> in this game they looked a little bit more solid. That heartbreaking late late goal uh, against them. But if you kind of throw throwing Garitano together with Diego Alonso. We haven't really seen any new manager bounce yet, have we? No, not really. Um, we were talking about Diego Alonso in the previous pod, saying, like, trying to give an opinion on how he's doing. And we, we were saying, oh, well, let's see in the next games. And then when I saw that Cali were 2 0 up, I was thinking, oops, maybe <laughs> yeah. he's not going to be as good as I thought. But they managed to come back. There was conviction there also uh, from, from Sevilla, and they, they got the draw at the end. Still early stages too, we'll have to see. Regarding Almeria, I'm just not hopeful anyway, you know. Uh, you said that they looked a bit more solid, probably because they were playing against Las Palmas, who, as mm -hmm. you said, also aren't very good offensively. It's what they're missing, you know. Las Palmas seem like a very um, a strong block, we could say, really well built. But then when it comes to scoring goals, Munir, Sandro, Sori, Cava, they're missing, you know, a bit of of goal scoring capacity maybe if they had that extra punch yeah they would be a much better team and, and honestly I think they could be comfortably mid-table maybe a bit higher but until they don't find those goals it's going to be tough but still uh, defensively they're a really solid block at the back and, and they're a good team for me so yeah a lot of teams uh, fluctuating we'll have to see how, how things evolve still early stages long long way to go but it does feel like maybe Almeria is already the first one you can kind of sniff out and, and say that it's going to be very, very difficult to, for them to, to make it past uh, those bottom three positions, especially seeing how much they conceded, you know. So we'll have to see what uh, Garitano can do, but he's got a very, very tough job between his hands. Mm. Yeah, let's see how that one continues on. We're just about out of time, but before we go, we'll just quickly wrap up where things stand. So Real Madrid's victory puts them top of the table level on points with Girona, then three back, as we say, Atleti, with that game in hand. So in theory, you could have three teams on, on equal points there. Barca, four points off the top in fourth position. Then it's a little gap to fifth. Real Sociedad there uh, on 19 points, five off Barca. Those two play each other next weekend. That's going to be a fascinating duel. And then behind Real Sociedad, you've got Athletic, Rayo, Betis, all pretty close behind them. At the bottom, as we say, is still Delta, 
Granada, Almeria in the bottom three. But Alaves, Villarreal and Mallorca are still in trouble. Uh, no win in six for Javier Aguirre's men, Mallorca. They could only draw 0-0 against the, the very defensive Getafe. They'll feel like two points escaped them. That's five consecutive draws for Bordelas's men. Monday night football is Granada against Villarreal, so we could have a little bit of movement at the bottom in that one. And then it's Copa midweek, the first round for La Liga sides in the Copa del Rey. All uh, There's 16 teams in action, all the La Liga teams, apart from the Supercopa quartet. So plenty of football to get your teeth into this midweek, and uh, we will be back recapping some of that and looking ahead to next weekend in the midweek pod. But in order to access that, you would like to upgrade, Roman. That's what they have to do, listeners. We'd love it if you could. Roman, tell, tell the listeners why they should. Well, they should upgrade because um, if they want uh, more of these pods, they want to read our articles, Spanish football content in English. Uh, every week we provide quite a lot. And of course, uh, we really value your support. And if you want La Liga Lowdown to, to keep on fighting for, for the best possible information, etc., then they have to be there by our, by our side. And we obviously thank those of you who are already doing so because uh, every penny counts. Absolutely. Thanks, Roman, for your insights today. Shame about the result for you in the Classico, but I'm sure you enjoyed the experience. I absolutely did. And uh, thanks again, Matt, for having me. Not a problem. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy your week and adios. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.